Hello and welcome to this audio introduction for How to Disappear at the Traverse Theatre. The play is written by Traverse Associate Artist Morna Pearson and directed by our Associate Director Gareth Nichols. The play is performed by a cast of three, Owen Whitelaw, Sally Reid and Kirsty Mackay. How to Disappear was written while playwright Morna was attached to the Channel 4 Playwrights Scheme. The play won the Catherine Johnson Best Play Award in 2016. And now some information. The audio described performance will be on Saturday the 23rd of December at 7.30pm. There will be a touch tour at 7pm on the 23rd. When you book your tickets, you will be given details of where to meet. To book, please call our box office team on 0131 228 1404 or visit our website www.traverse.co.uk. This introduction will be repeated to you just before the show starts on the 23rd of December. Your audio describer for How to Disappear will be me, Bridget Stevens. The show is about one hour and 30 minutes in length with no interval. It is suitable for those aged 14 and over. This introduction will take about 14 minutes to listen to. It gives an overview of the set, characters and costumes while also giving you an insight into themes explored in How to Disappear. An introduction to the play. The play is set in Elgin in North East Scotland. We must suppose that the time is the present day. When Helen Daniels, a character from Australian TV sitcom Neighbours, died in 1997, Robert, played by Owen Whitelaw, shut his door on the world, and he's not opened it since. Now his only connection to the outside world is through his younger sister Isla, played by Kirsty Mackay, who looks after them both whilst their father is away in Ibiza on business. With only a strange menagerie of creatures, including an iguana called Scott and a corn snake called Charlene to keep them company, the siblings plod their way through life, each day looking pretty much the same as the last, until their quiet lives are interrupted by a visit from Jessica, played by Sally Reed, a benefits assessor, determined to prove that Robert is fit for work. But Jessica soon realises that one size certainly does not fit all, as she suddenly stumbles across a secret about Robert that catapults her headfirst into a strange universe of infinite possibilities of time and space. Merging biting social commentary and fantasy in unexpected ways, How to Disappear is a pitch-black comedy which gives a voice to those who often go unheard. It has been described as, quote, a darkly comic and deeply moving story of the personal consequences of austerity, end quote. The play consists of 16 short scenes, divided from each other by sounds, 
and by lighting being reduced to half darkness in which the shadowy figures of the actors can be made out as they move furniture and props around the small acting area. Even when the main lighting is reduced in this way, there remains an eerie green glow coming from three tabletop aquariums like small fish tanks dotted around the room. The performance takes place in Travers 1, the larger of the two performance spaces at the Travers. Listeners to the audio description will enter the auditorium at the very front and will take their seats in the front row with nine long rows of steeply raked seating behind them. The set directly in front is a room in the home of Robert and his young sister Isla. It looks like an enormous box, approximately 25 feet across and 10 feet high, open at the front and set on a platform around 12 inches high. The room is very cramped, occupying only about half of the acting space normally available in Traverse 1. The audience looks in through the imaginary front wall of this room. The door into the room is in the left-hand wall. Just inside the door is a desk and stool with an aquarium sitting on top. A wooden stepladder is propped up against the wall beside the door. In the back wall of the room are double doors leading to a walk-in cupboard. Just beside these doors is another aquarium with green plants waving around inside it. Beside the aquarium are a couple of plastic food tubs containing small insects. The largest prop is a wooden framed bed positioned with its headboard against the back wall. On this bed is a crumpled dark blue duvet with a pattern of stars and moons on it. A small white fridge covered with mould and grubby fingerprints sits on the floor beside the bed. Moving round to the right hand wall, near the front of the room is yet another aquarium, perched precariously on top of a pile of magazines. The main thing we notice about this room is the huge amount of clutter. The walls and doors are covered with post-its and other bits of paper, pictures of constellations and moons, etc., while dozens and dozens of copies of the New Scientist magazine are piled higgledy-piggledy on tables, on chairs and on the floor. There are at least seven alarm clocks dotted around the room, several of which light up or flash when the alarm goes off. Sometimes time seems to be confused and the numbers on the digital clocks whiz forwards and backwards round and round at high speed. There are files, notebooks, sheets of paper, many of them covered in mathematical scribbles, pens and pencils and cardboard boxes everywhere. A tiny artificial Christmas tree is perched high up on top of one of the aquariums. Underneath the bed we can just make out, amongst the jumble of papers and magazines, an old green saucepan, a large empty cardboard box lined with tin foil, and a set of jump leads 
of the kind used to fire up a car battery. Beside the bed is a cardboard box half full of raw potatoes and a plastic bucket. And there's a portable TV which gets plugged into an extension at the foot of Robert's bed. The pale beige carpet is grubby and stained. The lighting in this play is important. There's a small table lamp on top of the fridge beside the bed and a single bare light bulb with no lampshade gets lowered and raised from high up above the room. Tiny lights like orange stars in the sky are seen high up around the sides of and above the set. These are sometimes on, sometimes off, and the writer tells us they are used to symbolise the gap between space and time. When the cupboard doors are opened, a blindingly white light is often, but not always, revealed. And now the characters. Robert is 28. A skinny young man with a sallow complexion, he wears an earnest expression. His hair is light brown with several bald patches. He wears rather grubby grey tracksuit bottoms, a grey hoodie under which we can just make out a garish red and white t-shirt. On his forearm is a blood-stained crepe bandage. Robert goes around in his stocking soles, red and black socks. He often retreats as far away as possible from whatever is going on in the room, sitting huddled against the wall, knees drawn up to his chin, hood pulled down over his face, or, at times, crouching in a cardboard box on the floor with another cardboard box over his head. When he is given a biscuit to eat, he nibbles it from the outside edge in like a small animal and he spends quite a lot of time pulling at tufts of his hair. Robert is played by Owen Whitelaw. Isla, Robert's sister, is 14. A fresh-faced young girl with brown hair tied back in a ponytail, Isla first appears in her school uniform of black trousers and white shirt and a parka jacket with fur-lined hood. She carries a black rucksack. Later on, she will appear in a pink hooded top and jeans. She is strong-willed, knows her own mind, and is confident enough to challenge Jessica when she disagrees with her. Isla regularly assumes a protective and caring role in regard to her brother, such as organising his food, despite being the younger sibling. Isla is played by Kirsty Mackay. The third character is Jessica, a benefits assessor. Jessica, who is in her late 30s, has rosy cheeks and wears her dark blonde hair tied neatly back. She wears a pair of small gold earrings and a wedding ring. Jessica's work outfit is a black trouser suit over a black and white polka dot blouse and extremely high-heeled black court shoes. Later on, she will remove the shoes in favour of a pair of smart grey trainers. Jessica wears a Department of Work and Pensions ID badge on her jacket lapel. She has a large black leather handbag 
out of which she produces a clipboard, a sheaf of forms and a ballpoint pen. Jessica puts on a pair of glasses when she needs to write on these forms. The themes of being abandoned, both personally and politically, are fantastically represented through scenes of magic realism as Jessica realises that one size does not fit all when it comes to benefits assessments. Jessica is played by Sally Reed. Sometime after Jessica's initial visit, the trio are plunged into an unexpected and otherworldly situation where their fortunes are flipped home truths are confronted and everything is not quite as it seems. A word about the next audio described production at the Traverse. It is Gut by Francis Poet and it will be presented by the Traverse Theatre Company in association with the National Theatre of Scotland. The date of the audio description will be Wednesday the 9th of May at 7.30pm and there will be a touch tour beforehand. A brief synopsis of Gut. Maddie and Rory are devoted parents to three-year-old Joshua, committed to keeping him happy and safe. But when an everyday visit to a supermarket cafe turns into a far more troubling incident, their trust even in those closest to them is shattered. Fear and doubt consume them until they reach a savage breaking point. Gut is a taut psychological thriller that explores who we can trust with our children and whether it's more dangerous not to trust at all. Written by award-winning playwright Frances Poet, you may have seen her play Adam, which won a Fringe first this year, Gut was shortlisted for the Bruntwood Prize for Playwriting and is directed by award-winning Traverse Associate Director Zinni Harris. Thank you for listening.